Now, before we get to the Word of God, again, we never look at the Word of God, especially prophecy without calling upon the Lord. So let us go ahead and pray one more time. Most gracious and heavenly Father, Lord, you know there's nothing here, absolutely nothing, zero, zip, nada that I bring. But I can only cling to the blood of the cross of Calvary. And I'm asking, Father God, as we look at this prophecy today, that you continue to outpour your Holy Spirit into this place, to anoint my lips, and to prepare our hearts and our minds to receive your message. This is my humble prayer. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, let everyone say, Amen. So, as you know, we've gone through different pieces of history, and now we're moving to the 16th century, the Reformation, the, the sermon title, you had it on the screen earlier, the Bible and, and the French Revolution. And so here's what happens. You know, throughout history, I share with you that roller coaster of trying to share the Word of God, trying to translate it into German and English and other different languages, and how every time it was oppressed. But, but somehow people kept writing and printing and producing and sharing the gospel message. And so for years, for more than a thousand years, it was a battle to share the Word of God with people. It was a struggle. People died literally for this to make it happen, right? And even though the Word of God spread in many places, there were some countries where the Roman church, the Roman church was successful in keeping the Word of God out to such an extent that evil was permitted to come to full maturity in those places. And so even though the Word of God was there, the fruit of willful, like, like purpose rejection of the Word of God, made things look really, really dark, thus fulfilling the words here in John 3.19. And I want to put this on the screen. John 3.19, look what it says. This is from the King James. And this is the condemnation that the light has come into the world, and men love darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil and sadly this was the condition that it was done that the uh, people prefer to do evil rather than good they rejected the light and in france you had this here where this, the, the war against the bible carried forward for centuries and centuries and so the the idea of trying to suppress the the scriptures it, it happened and so here's what happens the roman church the popular church of the time managed to suppress the scriptures to such an extent that things got bad now i want to pause here briefly because this really 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 bothers me you see, the Roman church, the, the, the papacy and all of them, they, they were established early on. They had the word of God, but they kept it as a secret. And they used the word of God or a false interpretation of the word of God to have things their way. To make money, to oppress people, to manipulate people. And the reason why this bothers me and is not okay with me is because when we have something so precious, it gets mismanaged. You know, the other day, I, I won't say what game and I won't say what, but, but you know, I, I have a couple of kids in the house, you know, and, and I, by the way, I'm giving some of them away if anybody's interested. But, you know, I have a couple of them, and I have one of them who is just terrible with money. And another one that is a whole lot better. And so, you know, they get money for birthdays and things like that. And they got these games where they could buy this V-Box things where they can uh, buy certain things with it. And so the one got 5000 you know, box this is like digital or whatever and he wasted it like in a week the other one is just camping on it and sitting on the money and using it and it's like you both had the same one of you just completely wasted it and the other one is saving it's like come on why why are you doing this and, and so here's what happened the, the catholic church had the word of god 
but they decided to keep it in an obscure language. They decided not to share it with the people for themselves, and they mismanaged that. But it is not. This is why I told you earlier, promise me you're not going to judge people because we have seen this through our history. This happened with the, the Jewish nation. They were chosen by God, his precious possession. They were supposed to lead others to Christ. They have been preaching about the Messiah for years. And when the Messiah came, they failed to recognize him because of the rules and their traditions. This happened with King Saul. Remember King Saul? When the first king of Israel, he was supposed to be an anointed man of God. And at the beginning, when they talk about Saul, it was almost like they were talking about God. Ooh, Saul. But then Saul, even though early in his life, he was the man of God. Later, he was the biggest obstacle for God. It happened for Solomon when he was young. What do you want? I want to be wise so that I can serve you, O God. And the wisest man that has ever lived became the dumbest, most foolish man ever. And after he gained his wisdom, he forgot the source of his happiness, the source of his power, the soul, uh, the, the source that, that he was supposed to live for. And when you forget who your creator is, when you forget your purpose in this world, when you forget that you are living with a heaven's mentality rather than an earthly one is why we get in trouble. And Solomon, the wisest, yes, dumbest guy, spent most of his life doing whatever he wanted and then it wasn't until the end of his life that he says, you know, I deny my eyes nothing. And it was as silly as a grasping of the wind. That's Ecclesiastes chapter 2. And then he jumps to Ecclesiastes you know, 11 and 12 and he says, hey, do whatever you want, but know you're going to judge. And you, young man, remember your creator in the days of your youth. In other words, learn from me because I messed up. It seems like people with power, with abilities, with, with something that is amazing, and we have the Word of God, if you forget what it is all about, you could do terrible things. And so the Roman church, who, who this is where we come from, this is our history, who had the precious Word of God, lost sight of the Creator, began to look at self, and they turned things into a hot mess that even in history, we call this period the Dark Ages. And people were killed in the name of God. A God who was a creator, a God of life, a God of love. Murder was done because of this. And so here's what happens. This whole period of suppressing the scriptures was foretold in the scriptures. It was prophesied that this was going to take place. And John the Revelator received a vision. He becomes interactive with this vision. And, and he sees it there in Revelation 11. And I want to put the first two verses on the screen. Actually, just the first one. Revelation 11, chapter 2. It says, But leave out the court which is outside the temple. And do not measure it. Now, some other time, not today because I want to be kind to you, but we'll talk about how measuring has to do with judgment. That's why in courts we still have like a balancing scale, you know, but we'll talk about what that has to do later. For it has been given to the Gentiles and they will tread the holy city underfoot for 42 months. For 42 months. Now, back in, in, in this time period, the months were 30 days. It was so much easier back then to keep count. Now we got some 28 days. Sometimes we jump to 29. Some are 30. Some are 31. I remember when I was in school as a kid, they taught me with the knuckles, like, you know, January 31. And the, the, in between the knuckles is 30. And then, you know, this. And so I kind of went through all of those things. And I'm like, what is that? Because it's so confusing with all of this. But back in Bible times, it was all 30 days. 
So 42 months, my mathematicians at home or here, whatever, pull out your calculators. But 42 months times 30 days equals 1,260. 1,260 days. Now that's important to understand and know because as we look at the rest of this prophecy, we see how that number is an important number. Let's put it up on the screen again. This time verses 2 and 3. It says, but leave out the court which is outside the temple and do not measure it. For it has been given to the Gentiles, and they will tread the holy city underfoot for 42 months. Now look at the next verse, verse 3. And I will give power to my two witnesses, and they will prophesy 1,260 days clothed in sackcloth. In Bible prophecy, a day equals a year in prophecy itself if it's a prophetic day it's a year and so here you have it two verses back to back 42 months or 1260 days and in case you're terrible at math it spelled it out for you on the next one where it says that it was given the two witnesses 1260 days and we know uh, and again don't believe me go back and check it out there's bible evidence that one prophetic day equals a year now, why is this important? Because the years of the suppression of the scriptures was exactly 1,260 years. Not 1,259, not 1,261, 1,260 years. With that being said, let's go ahead and read the, the rest of the prophecy, beginning on verse 3 again. And it says, and I will give power to my two witnesses. A little bit later, we talk about who are these two witnesses. And they will prophesy 1,260 days clothed in sackcloth. Verse 4, they are, uh, these are the two olive trees and the two lampstands standing before the God of the earth. 5, and if anyone wants to harm them, fire proceeds from their mouth and devours their enemies. And if anyone wants to harm them, he must be killed in this manner. Verse 6. These have power to shut heaven so that no rain falls in the days of their prophecy. And they have power over waters to turn them to blood and to strike the earth with all plagues as often as they desire. Seven, when they finish their testimony, the beast that ascends out of the bottomless pit will make war against them, overcome them, and kill them. Eight, and their dead bodies will lie in the streets of the great city, which spiritually is called Sodom and Egypt where also our Lord was crucified. Verse 9. Then those from the peoples, tribes, tongues, and nations will see their dead bodies three and a half days and not allow their, body, their dead bodies to be put into graves. 10. And those who dwell on the earth will rejoice over them, make merry, and send gifts to one another because these two prophets tormented those who dwell on the earth. And lastly, 11. Now, after the three and a half days, the breath of life from God entered them, and they stood on their feet, and great fear fell on those who saw them. There you have it. That's the prophecy. We're going to break it down in a moment, but I want to point out the following, that the Roman church, the, pap the papacy, was given power on the year 538 AD. They tried to do it a couple of years earlier, and a couple of the barbarian tribes that were opposed, you know, what do you mean you're going to give like a minister power over a political world territory and all of these things what is wrong with you people those three tribes stood up against all of this and finally when the last tribe was done and away with finally now the roman church can establish its power in the year 538 a.d 
Now, the French Revolution, what happens is that an army entered, and, and they went into the city, they snuck in, one of, one of Napoleon's guys, and they kidnapped the Pope. And don't you know when it happened? Exactly 1,260 years later. Not 159, not 161, but exactly 1,260 years later. And when the Pope was kidnapped, he actually went and he died in captivity. And even though they quickly elected, and at one point there were three different popes, but even though they quickly elected someone to replace them, the power and the authority was never the same as it was until that kidnapping took place exactly in the year 1798. Now, this is important. Why? Because the Bible said it was going to happen. It said it was going to take place. And so that leads me to this idea concerning the two witnesses. Who are they? What are these two witnesses? According to verse 3, it says, Two witnesses will be given 1,260 days. And look at Revelation 11.4. Look what it says. These are the two olive trees and the two lampstands standing before the God of the earth. Now, this is important verbiage. Look at Psalm 119.105. It says, Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light unto my path. Two-thirds of the book of Revelation is making references to the Old Testament. And so if you want to understand the book of Revelation, you need to know the Old Testament. You need to understand the references there. So when it talks about these two witnesses being the two lamp stamps, what is the lamp? Your word is the lamp. And these two witnesses are the Old Testament of Scripture that prophesied and predicted even the coming of the Messiah and the New Testament where we see its fulfillments. These two witnesses, the Old and the New, the Word of God that was put under scrutiny for over a thousand years, is the witnesses that Revelation chapter 11 is talking about. Both of them talk and, and perpetuate the law of God. And so it talks about the sacrifices and the things that were leading up to Jesus. It was pointing forward to the Lord's coming. And then in the gospel, in the epistles, we have the good news of our Savior, Jesus Christ. And everything was foretold. Did you know that in the Old Testament, and that's for another day, the, the day, the time, and the hour of Christ's crucifixion was predicted? Down to that very second, it was prophesied. And when my God saith, it happens. He said it and it took place. And people don't realize that. People think, oh, that's just something that people want to believe. And it's a fable. But the word of God has come true over and over and over again. Let's look at Revelation 11.3. Look what it says here. And I will give power to my two witnesses. And they will prophesy 1,260 days clothed in sackcloth see the two witnesses here this two they witness again but the, their their witness was being twisted by other people they kept saying no the word of god doesn't say this it doesn't say that and that's why people stood up wait that's not what i'm learning here about christ and so for over a thousand years it was corrupt it had painted a terrible image of god and only people who were brave enough to stand in the word of god alone were the ones who not only spread the gospel, but then also died because of that. You guys remember, listen to the past messages when we go into history. And, and so people were standing on these two witnesses. They were testifying before kings and royalty, before nations. They were giving a witness even while they were being crucified, even while they were being burned alive, even while they were being stoned or they were being whipped or thrown in jail. 
they were still testifying and that's how it was because they were standing on the word of God alone and so this prophecy not only did it say that it was going to happen but then it also gives a warning to those people who kept twisting the word of God one they're saying like that old that like that text in the old testament where it says you say yes thus saith the Lord when the Lord doth not saith those people who kept saying the word of God say this when it did not say that and so people that called them out and that were brave enough to stand in the word of God were killed because of that look at Revelation 11:5. look at this warning here if anyone harms them meaning the scriptures fire proceeds from their mouth and devours their enemies if anyone wants to harm them he must be killed in this manner and then later we don't have it on the screen yet but later verse 6 talks about plagues and stuff now why is that unique look at revelation 22 revelation 22 18 it says for i testify to everyone who hears the words of this prophet or the prophecy of this book if anyone adds to these things god will add to him the plagues that are written in this book verse 19 if anyone takes away from the words of this book of this prophecy God shall take away his part from the book of life from the holy city and from the things which are written in this book and so it is interesting that Revelation 11 talks about if anybody tries to harm these two witnesses the scriptures the word of God ooh, stuff is gonna happen and then to encapsulate and in Revelation 22 at the end listen check it out anybody takes away from this we're gonna have a problem anybody adds we're gonna have a problem there's a solemn warning here to people that use the scriptures for their own benefit people who twist the scriptures for their own personal gain we got to be careful what we do with the Word of God I mean you really really got to be careful what you do with the Word of God now I'm not saying this to scare you I'm saying this because I need you to understand many people were twisting the Word of God back then and this is a warning to all of us who make light of the Word of God this is a warning to all of us who make light of the law of God who thinks eh, it doesn't matter or who put their own opinions above divine revelation anyone who would change the plain meaning of scripture just to suit their own convenience come on now you can't say amen say ouch I know many people out there that twist and twist and twist it's funny because um, I, I was uh, <laughs> a friend of mine sent me a, a video clip last night and, and he says hey Joe we check this out and he and I was preaching about this and it's like a little comedy sketch you know those those those, those funny TV shows you know some of them happen on Saturday night and they're live and some other ones you know key and peel and others you but you Adventists don't watch anything that is not 3ABN I get that but but you know for those of you who watch the, the the some of this comedy stuff he sent me a little clip of this prayer group that was sitting there Lord talk to us and and reveal yourself to us we want to hear your voice and suddenly a word from heaven comes and says I am God what can we do to please you I need you to get rid of all your earthly possessions I need you to sell all and take care of the poor and so they're sitting there wait what everything yes all of your earthly possessions and serve me are you sure and then suddenly one of them they looked at each other in awkward silence <gasps> this house is haunted and they all ran out of the house pretending that it was a ghost and not God that requested this from them it is amazing how we do everything possible to not listen to the Word of God 
I, it messes me up when we use the word of God to smack up people. You know, in churches, it's not that full today. Because, you know, pandemic, we're kind of doing hybrid and we got people at home and people here. But I remember back in the day when church was full and I would make that statement. If you can't say amen, say ouch. And people would look at the person next to them and say amen. Really like, mm-hmm, amen, mm-hmm, yeah, amen. Like, stop. Look at you. And see where you are and stop twisting the word of God. There's a solemn warning there. You cannot do that. You cannot conform to this world and switch the word of God. There is a warning. And the written word of God will measure the character of every man. So my question to you and not the amen person next to you is, will you be found wanting? Come on now. You can't say amen. Say ouch. The prophecy doesn't end there. Revelation 11, 7. Revelation 11, 7 says, When they finish their testimony, the beast that ascends out of the bottomless pit will make war against them, overcome them, and kill them. So the period where the two witnesses testify, it finished and it ended in 1798. We know that throughout history. We know that the Bible, you know, prophesied this. And as they were approaching the, termina the, the termination of this period, we know that it was done in obscurity. That's why it talks about being covered in sackcloth. And when that happened, it says that the beast now ascends out of the bottomless pit. And so you see, he, here's what happens. In many of the nations, you know, the power that rule was the papacy, even controlled kings and humiliated kings. I told you that in other sermons. You've seen that. And, and they were being utilized by the devil himself to thwart the word of God. And that's what happens. It, it, it was taking place. It was, a, it was a plain manifestation. And it brings it to a new. And so here's what happens. Originally, the reason for keeping the word of God down, it was Rome's policy because it was, it was a profession of reverence for the word of God. So they kept it locked up in an unknown tongue, hidden away from the people. So it was under the guise of, no, this is a good thing. And they kept the word of God in this manner. However, it says here that right when that is over... When their testifying time is over, now, instead of doing it under the guise of a religious policy, straightforward, they were going to go right ahead and attack the word of God. It says that that beast, you know, that, that, that witness will, will come out and, and they will make open word, uh, open war against the word of God. Are you following? You with me? Let's pick it up again. Revelation eleven seven, and then we'll read verse 8 as well. When they finish their testimony... The beast that ascends out of the bottom spit will make war against them, overcome them, and kill them. Verse 8. And their dead bodies will lie in the street of the great city, which spiritually is called Sodom and Egypt, where also our Lord was crucified. Now, this is an amazing hint there because it's telling us they were testifying for a period of 1,260 days, as they're coming to an end, now the beast is going to come out, and it's going to make wars against them openly. It's not going to be under, under sackcloth now. It's not going to be obscure. Like, no, this is, this is just policy, and that's why we're not sharing the word of God. No, no. Outright, we're done with the word of God. And the description that it gives us is that spiritually, they're like Sodom and Egypt. Why Egypt? You see, Egypt was the very first one that denied that the, the major nation that denied the existence of God and that denied the commandments of God. Now, how do I know? Should we guess? Should we speculate? Come on now. Line upon line, precept upon precept, here little and there little. Like two of you. Wow. There's more than two of you here. By the way, people at home, the, the answer is there little. The idea is that you search all of the word of God. You gather all of the pieces together. Look at Exodus 5.2. Exodus 5.2, it says, and Pharaoh said, 
Who's the Lord that I should obey his voice to let Israel go? I do not know the Lord, nor will I let Israel go. Here you have Egypt, the very first nation that was big and popular, major power that denied God and denied the commandments of God. I'm like, who's he? The Lord who? I don't know him. I ain't letting him go. And that's what happened. So why Egypt? They denied the assistance of God. They denied the commandments of God. Why Sodom? Look at this quote from Auntie Ellen. Great controversy. This is Ellen White. For those who may not know who Auntie Ellen is. She's not my real aunt. She, she died a long time ago. But she, she wrote some amazing things. And I, I just love the old lady. But, but Great Controversy 269.3 says, The corruption of Sodom is breaking the law of God. Sorry, the corruption of Sodom and breaking the law of God was specially manifested in licentiousness. Now, I had to Google the definition of licentiousness. I mean, is it a license? What is that? It's wastefulness. I didn't know that. You know, English is not my first language. And I was like, what in the world? How is it that the corruption of Sodom and, and the sin was breaking the law of God in wastefulness? What does that mean? Because you see, every time I think of Sodom being a, a spiritually deprived place, a spiritually evil place, I think of a text found in Jude 1.7. Look, I'll read it for you. Jude 1.7. And don't forget Sodom and Gomorrah and their neighboring towns, which were filled with immorality and every kind of sexual perversion. Those cities were destroyed by fire and served as a warning of the eternal fire of God's judgment. And so I always thought, you know what, Sodom and Gomorrah, there were a whole bunch of perverts. And uh, that's why they were in trouble. They were immoral. They were doing nasty stuff. And that's why. But Auntie Allen says that their sin was found in wastefulness. So I had to do a little bit digging and check out the word of God. Line upon line, precept upon precept. Wait, let's try this again. Here a little and? Yeah, and there a little. And look what happens in Ezekiel 16.49. Ezekiel 16.49. It says, look at this. Look, this was the iniquity of your sister, Sodom. She and her daughter had pride. Come on now, you prideful people. Fullness of food and abundance of idleness. I mean, talk about being lazy now. Neither did she strengthen the hand of the poor and the needy. You want to know what her sin was? You want to know what her iniquity was? Is that she had abundance of things, had means and wealth, and did absolutely nothing to help those that were in need. It wasn't just immorality. It's easy for us church people to point fingers at others. Mm -hmm, amen, you immoral people. But it wasn't that. Their iniquity, according to the word of God, was to have and to not give. Now, that's not the part of today's message. So if you can't say amen, say ouch, and we'll move on. Um, but let me tell you what, what happens with this idea of, uh, of this spiritual Sodom and Egypt being the one to openly make war against the word of God. Do you want to know what they did in France? Let's put this image on the screen. I want you to look at it for a moment. Leave it for a moment. I'll tell you when to take it down. But what they did is that they decided to replace God with a goddess. And they placed this young lady right there in the throne, uh, right in the center of the Cathedral of Notre Dame, where once, you know, a priest sat, they put this goddess there. You could take it off now. This was on November 10th. 
1793, November 10th, 1793, they decided to worship the goddess of reason. They said there is no God. We will not worship God. As far as the scriptures, patal, forget about it. And now we're going to worship reason. If it makes sense, we'll do it. It doesn't make sense, we're not going to do it. And that's what they did. I mean, this was like last week in our history. We're not talking about people thousands of years ago. We're talking about like the other day. That they decided to deny God, the word, and instead in the cathedral, instead of a priest, they gave him the boot and they built a goddess, an idol to replace the God of heaven. Come on now. It was so bad that one of the priests of this new order... Look what they said, and I'll put this up on the screen. It says the following. God, if you exist, avenge your injured name. I bid you defiance. You remain silent. You dare not launch your thunders. Who after this will believe in your existence? You know, this is Lacretel History, Volume 11, page 309. And Sir Archibald Allison, History of Europe, Volume 1, Chapter 10. He was like, you know what? Uh, defend yourself. Let's see. Nobody's going to believe you after this. Go ahead, throw your thunder. I dare you. I bid you defiance. Can you picture that? This is how it was done. And I'm reminded of Psalm 14. Psalm 14. Look what it says. The fool has said in his heart, there is no God. They are corrupt. They have done abominable works. There is none who does good. Could you imagine what this was like, what this meant for them. Could you picture this? They openly renounce and deny God. Now, they were no longer standing opposed to scriptures under the guise of a rule. They were doing it openly. Now, forget about it. Forget about God. And so you see how the Bible prophecy comes clear there? Very clearly, after the 1,260 days, now the one in the bottom of the space is going to come up and make war against the word of God, against these two witnesses. But the prophecy, praise God, doesn't end there. Look at Revelation 11, 11. Look what it says. Now, after three and a half days, the breath of life from God entered them, and they stood on their feet, and great fear fell on those who saw them you see the assembly the french assembly that came together in 1793 to abolish the the the, the bible something happened uh it says three and a half days in that previous text what is the day again in bible prophecy yeah one year so guess what from the moment that they abolish the law and they put a priestess there's the goddess of reason and they and they abolished the bible and they want nothing to do with the bible exactly three and a half years later the same french assembly decided to to rescind the decree and grant toleration of the scriptures once again for exactly three and a half years not not three years and seven months not three years and and five months but three years and six months exactly and i love that about the word of god because when my god says it is so it will be and there you have yet again prophecy being fulfilled and it gets me super excited but look i'll tell you something else let's go ahead and read these two verses here isaiah 37 23 look what it says it says i said 37 23 it says 
Whom have you reproached and blasphemed? Against whom have you raised your voice and lifted up your eyes on high? Against the Holy One of Israel. Jeremiah 16.21 It says, Therefore behold, I will this once cause them to know. I will cause them to know my hand and my might. And they shall know that my name is the Lord. I love that. People get all freaked out every time, you know, during the, the I'm kind of glad now that this hot mess of politics is over. I mean, leading up until November and throughout December and even up until last week, people are like, oh, we cannot let this party win. We cannot let this win. This was our cheaters. This was our not. This one is evil. This is I'm glad that it's over. Christians are panicking, not realizing that it doesn't matter what happens out there. It doesn't matter if they're trying to forbid us from worshiping and coming together. It doesn't matter if they're trying to keep us from sharing the word of God. It doesn't matter if they shut off our YouTube channels or Facebook channels or whatever. Guess what? They're not fighting against me, Joey, or you guys, the church members of the Tallahassee First SDA. No, no. They are fighting against God himself. And if God allows it for us to be thrown in a fiery furnace and chooses not to save us, we're still not going to bow down. Like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And if he does save us and jumps in the pit with us and embraces us. And we don't even get our hair, you know, burned off for those who have hair. Praise God. Either way, understand that this is about God and not about us. Don't panic. Don't freak. Simply take it to the God of heaven. So that they may know that he is Lord. The prophecy still doesn't end there. Last text for the prophecy for today. Revelation eleven twelve. Revelation 11, 12, it says, And they heard a loud voice from heaven saying to them, This is the two witnesses. This is the word of God now, okay? Come up here. And they ascended to heaven in a cloud, and their enemies saw them. Now, this is very powerful here, because after the word of God was abolished, then three and a half years later, they rescinded, and they allowed the toleration of the scriptures. Shortly after that, there was no stopping the word of God. A few years later, in 1804, the British and Foreign Bible Society was organized. And they started producing the Bible. In 1816, the American Bible Society was find it, founded. And when the British and, and, uh, Society, when it came together, they started printing and circulating in 50 different tongues. And it had been since translated to this day to many hundreds of languages and dialects. And so they try to put it down, and it was dead and being for three and a half days or three and a half years. Then it was restored, and then after that, it was elevated. The enemies tremble, as it said in Revelation 11, 11, and then after that, it was just elevated to heaven. And now, this day, the Word of God is still the number one seller. It's still the most sold book, still in the most languages out there, because there's no stopping to those witnesses that testify on the Word of God. And I love that, love that love that because i am reminded of the last two texts for today isaiah 54 7 we'll put that on there this is an abbreviated text you can read the rest of the text but it says no weapon this is no weapon now okay no 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 people of france and no goddess of reason or anything like that okay no weapon formed against you shall prosper says the lord and then Isaiah 40, verse 8, it says that the grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of our God stands forever. That's it. 
The word of God, they try to shut it down. They try to put it away. They try what they could. And the prophecy of Revelation 11 has been fulfilled. For 1,260 years, they witnessed, they prophesied that it was covered up under the guise of Christianity. Then the devil tried to outright take them down. And it was restored three and a half years later. And we are where we are today. And so my encouragement to you, many people die. Many people testify. My encouragement to you is to not lose sight of who you are. The power and the blessings that you have. The abundance that you have been gifted. Remember your creator. Live for him and live with a heaven's mentality. We've been through enough and the Bible has been, uh, you know, it has predicted, prophesied, and it has come true. And do you know that it also say that one day, my God is coming soon to take us home. The thing is that you're either with him or not. So it is time that you individually, not your neighbor, but you individually, figure out where it is that you stand with God. I'm going to stand on the word of God and trust him, believe in him, and accepting as my redeemer and as my savior. Let's go ahead and pray. Most gracious and heavenly father, we love you. Lord, we thank you so much for your scripture. So many people out there, you know, they, they're doing the same thing that we did a couple hundred years ago, trying to deny God. They're trying to listen to reason instead of saying, yeah, we're going to do reason. If it makes sense, it makes sense. But God, you don't make sense. You, you are a God that loves us in spite of us. You are a God that sent your son to die for us. Let me tell you this. I'll die for my kids, but I don't know if I'll die for anybody else, let alone sacrifice my kids for anybody else. That doesn't make sense. It doesn't make any reason, but you are love. And so, Father God, we just ask that you help us continue to not only study your scriptures, but live lives that are molded and shaped by you and your character. That it is no longer us, but you that live in us. Help us live with a heaven's mentality. This is my humble prayer. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, let everyone here say, Amen.